Grow CFO is where finance leaders grow together. Join thousands of like-minded professionals using GrowCFO to access the combined knowledge and experience of the finance leader community. You can join us today at growcfo.net. Hello and welcome to the GrowCFO show. I'm your host, Kevin Appleby, and today I've got a new mentor to GrowCFO with me, Hugh Watchorn. Hugh, welcome to the GrowCFO show. Nice to be here. Thank you very much for having me. Hugh, can you tell our audience just a, a little bit about your background, please? Certainly. Pretty traditional start. Um, I went to university at the LSE, and from there I went to Arthur Anderson to train as a chartered accountant. Realised that um, I didn't want to be a, a big firm auditing type of accountant, and I wanted to work in smaller SME entrepreneurial businesses. So I left having qualified and joined um, a small wine merchant in North London, which I loved. And that's where I cut my commercial teeth and moved out of there via other companies into um, um, luxury goods, consumer goods. Um, and from there, I went for the biggest part of my career was at Bonhams, who, uh, when I joined, were just about to merge with Philips um, and we did the merger and then we expanded the brand via um, acquisition merger and organically across the major auction territories which is uh, really London, New York and Hong Kong but that's also via was also via the west coast of the USA in San Francisco and, and Los Angeles. So 15 years there with all the things that, that come with that. But one of the most striking features of that 15-year stay wasn't just the corporate finance and the treasury and the compliance and all the rest of it. It was actually the people that I met along the way, many of whom, or all of whom almost, were totally passionate about their subject areas, whether that was jewellery, motor cars, or um, fine art pictures. And it was that that I really that really kept me um, there for that long period of time. And I really loved every minute of it. Uh, I then left there five or so years ago, 2016. And since then I've been self-employed doing part-time CFO, bit of mentoring, bit of consultancy, bit of project work, all of which, again, thankfully, I'm working with some very, very different diverse people, all of whom bring huge pluses and in some cases some minuses to the table. But it's a great thing to have for me to have exposure to both to their businesses, but also to them as individuals. But I spent um, several years during my time at Bonhams uh, working with the uh, Institute of Chartered Accountants, Irving and Wales, ICAEW, as part of their F10 uh, programme. I was a mentor in their team of mentors, and I had the privilege of mentoring two young um, FD stroke CFOs along their path towards their next steps. And uh, interestingly, I, I can't say what they learned from me, but I can say that I learned a lot from them. So I'm hoping that my additional experience I've gained since doing that and my age has brought some wisdom that probably hasn't they might have done to enable me to be a, an effective and helpful mentor to the grow CFO community. 
Yeah, that, that sounds like some fantastic experience. And there's, there's certainly acquisitions in there. There's mergers in there. There must be all of that post-merger integration in there. Um, and beyond that, you, you're an experienced mentor already. You've done it at a top level with the ICAEW. Wow, that's quite quite a lot to offer. And out of out of those, you where where would you say that your real strength lies? Where where's Hugh's deepest experience? Well, I think it's um, around the communication people piece. I'm I'm very numerate. I'm not very techy. Mm. Um, I get bored easily, would you believe? And I um, sometimes struggle to stay focused on things. So it's the communication of things in a, in a, in a hopefully a clear, concise, distilled way. But most of all, it's enabling, delegating, managing, sorting out people along the way. And when I say people, I mean colleagues, reports, bosses, bankers, accountants, lawyers, you name them. All that community of people is part of what I think is what is my, I hope is my you know, pretty, yeah, pretty powerful to, to me, that's that's one of the big challenges of the, the relatively new CFO. He's been used to dealing with the finance function, heading it up, putting the numbers out and so on, and then suddenly he has... It's kind of turned 180 degrees and he becomes the rather the inward looking face of finance is the outward looking face and communications becomes his his biggest challenge as the song says communication let me down if you're of a certain age you know what that song is <laughs> i am of that age by the way um it, it's a very good point you raise i think there's a traditional view of financial people as being slightly um screen-based, slightly introverted, possibly slightly shy, slightly wallflowery. I think that is an outmoded, outdated view. Um, and I think that, um, as you say, Kevin, outward communication in all its forms is integral to success as a CFO. Without it, I don't think you can really be a CFO. I don't think you can really sit at the board table or, in, or, or at a, uh, a boardroom in the city when you're trying to transact something and not have that confidence and expertise to clearly distill what the answer or what the story is in what, you, in what you're talking about. I think it's fundamental. Mm, absolutely. And anybody that can help you with that has to be a very welcome addition to your toolkit. And absolutely. for me, an awful lot of communication isn't about the words that you say at the time it's about the thought process that goes together before you say them it's that old thing of um dr johnson i think i think it was but it may not be him who said apologies my letter is so long i didn't have time to make it shorter it's exactly that yes yeah, yeah. and i think that it's the it is absolutely this is my view I know people have different views on this but my view is that less is more and the, if the FD, the CFO, can distill the stuff, either verbally or, or through written or charts, whatever, it doesn't matter what it is, the key thing is to get those messages across to people. And I think it's important people realise that human beings can soon get, have a saturated brain unless you, you, know, unless you limit yourself to what are really the key things. Now, that's probably blatantly obvious, 
to everybody listening to this podcast, but I, I still see people trawling through gargantuan reports, which, which most of which won't be absorbed or taken mm. on board, and most importantly, won't be enacted. Mm. Yeah, you need the executive summary on the front that's no more than a page of A4, has half a dozen bullet points that tell you the key things, and then at the bottom tells you the, the decision that's got to be made. Yeah, that's it. That, that's exactly right. Based upon absolutely the right and most accurate data. Data, yeah. so every CFO's job, as they all will already know, has to ensure that the roots under the tree of the data are as solid as a rock. If they're not, everything else is, is, is built on sand and nothing else works. So all of what I'm saying assumes implicitly that um, the numbers upon which these reports are distilled come off correct, accurate, properly underpinned data. Mm. So tell me a little bit more, more about you, the person. Hugh, what really gets your juices flowing? Well, um, interestingly, I was... Um, I, I had lunch with my with a cousin of mine um, a couple of months ago, who I've not seen since 1998, quite a long time ago. I won't, I won't bore the listener with why it was such a long gap. But she asked me the very same question, albeit in a slightly different way. And I replied that the, it's the combination for me of business and people. I think, I, th I think I passionately believe that business is great, powerful it's important gives people purpose hopefully it makes some money it, it pays taxes and and so on it's important and it can be truly great what makes it great are the people who work in it however good your tech is however good your ip is whatever it is that you're doing so well typically nearly always it's the people that drive that and for, for CFOs, but not just for all people, CEOs, you know, it is important that the people um, in the company are valued. And I was interested in, in, in today's news, Bumble, which is a dating app, uh, so I'm told, haha, um, is giving, just given all of their staff worldwide a free paid week off, week's holiday, because everyone is so stressed, because the volumes have gone up so much during the lockdown periods that's a nice thing it just shows that companies there are ways of looking after staff like that which i think i think is very very just terrific yeah sounds sounds though it's it's more than just that on people you you're talking about all of those interesting people that you met in specialities in bonhams and phillips um is it is it something about being surrounded by bright minds it's partly that, but it's probably more about the passion that they exhibited. So, you know, the head of Asian art, passionate about a Chinese bowl he'd found in Shrewsbury. Or, um, you know, you get in a, a John Lennon sign, something or other, or you get in a, um, um, I'm trying to think, a piece of glass. Whatever it is, doesn't really matter. It's the passion that the person has and the energy that that creates. It's the energy around these people who are, and you see a bit on the Antiques Roadshow, when you, if you watch that show on, on BBC TV, when an expert sees something that's really great, you can just sense in them the energy that comes out of them. So for me, that's, ter that's, that's amazing. 
the challenge was how I convert that passion for the object and the sale into a commercial proposition. That's it's always that's very easy because we the, the seller pays, the buyer pays, and we have our costs, and that's that's the end of it. But it's not quite as simple as that, but it is trying to turn to corral and influence and advise and mentor, whatever the verb is, that these artists, people who love these these things, have also have, have to also help us make money you know, in the company. That's part of that's also why we're there. So there's a challenge in that. But um I think whether you're in uh, working for Timpsons or working for Bumble or working for Bonhams, having people who are bright, passionate and energetic around you just gives you that kind of real oomph to make the, make the days sing. And um, the communication we talked about earlier is key, but it's also about the communication generally, about when you meet somebody on the way into the office or on the way out of the office, you just chat about whatever you chat about. It's that as well as just as well as the actual working comms. That's all part of the same story. Mm-hmm. So I think business. Then you you you're you're a man of a certain age that could could quite easily have said yes. I've done my however many years with with Phillips and Bonhams. I've done my years of working with my own company and doing projects, you could at this moment be saying, well, I'm going to hang my hat up, find a nice deck chair somewhere, watch some cricket. Um, what is it about business that stops you doing that? Well, I love cricket, that's for sure. <laughs> I would, I adore watch cricket live. It's a great passion of mine, to be honest. Why? Because um, there's a few things. That's a good question, actually. First of all, I think for all people of all ages, purpose remains important. Mm. I think it's important to have a purpose. It could be working on your golf swing. It could be doing charitable works. It could be working in companies. It could be a whole raft. I'm not saying it should be. I'm not trying to prescribe what it is. But for me, personally, one of one of my purposeful drivers is, is working for companies. I, I, I like it. So that, that's one bit of it. I think that um, whilst it's not incumbent on me, I think it's a, a good thing that I can... In some ways, that's a bit of a cliche, but it's not meant to be. I can repay or give some of the wisdom I've gained having worked for so many years in business to hopefully to younger people or to other people who perhaps haven't got that quite that experience or perspective that I've been able to gain from it. Um, and thirdly, without wishing to be too self-serving, I think people sometimes enjoy having the energy that I bring to a room. Mm. That's energy. That is that is a, a fantastic gift to bring to a room, Hugh. Where do you think that energy comes from? Well, you know, I've always had passions for things. Um, I bought my first record when I was probably uh, eight years old, my first 45 when I was eight years old. Um, oh, come on, what was the first 45 at eight years old? If you must ask, it was ELO, Rollover Beethoven. Please do not ask me what my second 45 was. Um, <laughs> now, come on, you've set me a challenge there. What was your second 45? On Harvest Records, that was. Um, it was Gary Glitter's Rock and Roll Part 2. Which, I've got that somewhere on vinyl in the loft as well. <laughs> have you? Have you? Well, um, as an aside, I did think, I don't even see the, the film The Joker. So it was a wonderful, brilliant movie. Anyway, there's a scene in that movie when he comes down the steps 
and they play rock and roll part two. And I'd forgotten what a great record that is. When I, when I saw the movie, that is a great record, regardless of what of Gary's um, appalling, truly appalling crimes. But anyway, um, where was I? I lost track of my where I was now. We were talking passion. Oh, passion, that's right, energy, that's right, yeah. So I've, I've had a passion for music um, since I was very young. I still have that. Uh, and I, I always will, God willing, till, till the day I, I die. So, um, and I think I'm a Welshman, I'm a, I'm a Celt. I think there's something also innate in us Welshmen that gives us that passion. Like when you listen to the anthem before the, uh, before the Six Nations uh, Wales Games, for example. But I think that's innate. But it's also just, um, I think, it's what one, what we, not we not just being CFOs, we as people like to bring. If it's, you know, if you're in a party or in a social scenario, somewhere in a restaurant or something, people who have energy and, and give off that vibe are more attracted to other people, I think, in terms of, I want to go and talk to that individual because he or she has got this energy. And, you know, they could, they could be they could be 25 or 85. It doesn't matter how old you are or, 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 whether, you, or where you're from, whatever your background is. It's that energy thing, you know, which is terrific. Uh, yeah, so I've got that. Mm. Hugh, as a, as a mentor, I could see that that's something you might look for in your mentee. CFOs, but is that something that is either there is there naturally, or is it something that can be taught? Um, you certainly can't teach it, um, but in my view, but you can influence it. I think it's it's like you can influence behaviours. One thing I'm I'm really bad at is listening because my mind goes off on something else before I've, I've finished listening to what the other person has said. But I am listening to your questions very carefully, of course. <laughs> um, but I, I've worked hard to actively listen. I've worked hard. I by no means mastered it, um, but I'm a better listener than I was 10, 15 years ago. I mean, at the board meetings at Bonhams, I would even at those places drift off, drift off sometimes. <laughs> I think I'd say, what did you say? So what was the question? Um, so, I, so for me, it's a listening thing. So if I can learn to actively listen, which I've done to an extent, uh, learn and, and be influenced and be helped with that by other people, I see no reason why people can't stand in a certain way, sit in a certain way, smile, um, you know, you know, w walk around purposefully and not slouch. There's a small, perhaps silly things, but they just, they, 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 they just give off, tell people what kind of individual they're dealing with. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't teach anything like that, but I can. Would I would like to think that I can kind of guide, influence, mould a little bit on on that on that area for for these people who are trying to uh, move into a sort of C C CFO uh, CFO role. Mm. So, Hugh, a passionate Welshman, Wales in the last sixteen of the European Championship, and playing Denmark on Saturday. I understand now. Yeah. So what's the chances of, of, of Wales going on and uh, winning the tournament, do you think? A nil. <laughs> but I think I think we can beat Denmark uh, in the last 16. If we do that, I have to say it's hats off to them all because uh, they're a very small footballing nation, as you, or we are a very small footballing nation. So it'd be great. Um, you know, I was, I, uh, I'd be thrilled. But I mean, I'm also delighted that Denmark have got through, given what happened to their captain uh, two weekends yes. ago. It's, it's great news they... They came back, came back so well and so strongly last night. I think it was last night, wasn't it? 
Yes, yes. Yeah. So I, I will be in front of the telly later tonight, uh, watching England and no doubt throwing things at television, getting disappointed <laughs> at the moment, as, as, as usual. As uh, and Watching Eng England is as bad as being a supporter of my uh, local football team, Newcastle United. You, you just get resigned to a level of underperformance over the years and failing to reach your potential. I think you're wrong. I think England will do very well tonight. I, I predict Kane will score. Mm. Yeah. So we, we used to have a striker back in, I'm telling my age now, he's called Malcolm McDonald, Super Mac. And he was just like Harry Kane. He always disappeared out of view when the big game came along. <laughs> but he was a great player, wasn't he? I'm, I'm, I'm not a football, football isn't my real expert. I don't know that much about football. But I remember him being a very, very, very high performing forward, wasn't he? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But. That this, this is this is an interesting sort of communication dynamic, and we're, we're recording a podcast on mentoring and CFOs and introducing you, Hugh, and we, we've disappeared off into the world of sport and football via a little bit of uh, early 70s pop music, and it just shows that, that kind of communication dynamic, I think. Now, here's the thing. I was in a meeting, I can't say who it was with, but suffice it was a potential new client for me, in, 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 in the middle of London. And we were talking about the business, the plans, the usual things. And on came the stereo. My, we're, we're in a kind of social, we're in a kind of a restaurant wine bar environment where, where we met. And on came Miles Davis on stereo. And A, I thought, shall I just mention, I do love Miles Davis to, to this guy. And I didn't, which I wish I had. And then, when I wrote to him after the meeting to say, thank you for meeting me, blah, blah, blah. Um, I also meant to put a PS saying, you know, I, I really enjoy the music during our meeting, but I, did, I, I forgot to do that. That's poor communication, I think. Mm. And I think unless you have those little bits around, you, you never get that sort of hook to, to get to a deeper relationship. You know, you say you like Miles Davis, he says he likes Miles, Miles Davis, that there's a connection on yes, another level apart yeah. from the business. And I, re I remember one particular client I had three or four years ago, I was working for PwC out in, in Saudi. And the particular director that I was dealing with, I knew that I could not go into his office and get any business done unless I had a half hour conversation first about Manchester United. <laughs> <laughs> well, there are worse things, aren't there? Yeah, but isn't isn't that isn't that humanity? Isn't that communication? It is absolutely, absolutely. What it's about, you know, it's not all about, and that's the problem with with online video calls that we've had to do for the last year and a quarter or so. Is that they're brilliant and very effective. Mm. Having a half an hour about Man U probably isn't something you would do on a video call. No, and that's it. I, I found that directly last week, actually, Hugh. And <clears throat> my current consulting client, alongside Grow CFO, is is NHS Digital. And we've been working with them now since probably January, but every meeting has been over Zoom. We yeah. actually had a face-to-face -face meeting for the first time with a client last week, and we went out for a beer afterwards. And probably half an hour, sitting, chatting over a beer, looking folk in the eye, asking them the slightly more indirect question and watching the body language and things like that. I, I think 
we've probably got more out of the, the session over a beer in the pub than we did out of the meeting. And you just lose that dynamic completely when you're on Zoom all the time. All I would say, I completely agree with you 100%. All I would add is, are we two guys of a certain age just not in the zeitgeist of that kind of young millennial video calling individual? That's an interesting question. But I think, our, our, young, I think our young millennials, they like going to the pub as well. <laughs> true. Never a true word. Absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. So, Hugh, on, on that note, that has been absolutely fascinating. And it's great to have you as part of Grow CFO and, the, and part of the mentoring team. I'm sure that uh, there'll, be, there'll be many podcasts in the future where we have a further chat. Well, thank, thank you for having me. Uh, my first ever, I've done some interviews on, online before, but never a podcast. So thank you very much for having me. And uh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Hugh.